Well, good morning, Identity Church. I hope y'all have had a great week. We've had a great week. It's been off and on cold. I know uh, everybody needs to bundle up. The polar vortex is coming. Uh, how how do you like those kind of terms? You know, back last week, I, you know, I worked for the power company, so we were talking about how bad it could be. And, of course, we have these meteorologists that actually work for the power company that gives us all this stuff. Well, the first thing that you get from them is winter storm of 93. It's going to be winter storm of 93. And I was going, winter storm of 93? Oh, my God. That was like two foot of snow all blanketed everything. Well, then it's calmed down by the end of the week. Let's just say that the closer you get there. But, you know, one of the things that I like about that is, is that you get to start speaking to things. You know, I, I think it's important for us to speak to storms. Jesus spoke to storms. He got mad at his disciples when they didn't speak to storms. So, you know, I, I think we need cold weather. I, I need some of these bugs to die. We've got, my God, we, we need to like kill off a good population of bugs around here. So we need winter. We need these seasons because they bring about things that we need. But, you know, in everything in our life, we need to speak to the storms that are in our life. We need to speak to the actual physical storms. You know, Heather and I, we were in Gardendale. <coughs> excuse me. We were in Gardendale, I guess it was probably like four or five months before we came up here. And there was a tornado heading right for where we were at. And I just started speaking to that. Me and Heather got an agreement. I said, no, that storm is going to dissipate. And so we had, you know, James Spann, the suspender man, you know, and he was, he was out there, you know, you know, when it was really bad is he had taken his jacket off and he had rolled his sleeves up like I've got this morning and he had his sleeves rolled up, right? The next thing they say that if it gets really, really bad, he takes his shirt off. So I don't, you don't ever want to see that. Okay. Cause you know, oh, wow, that's bad. He's really sweating it, you know, but one of the things that he said in the midst of this and, and Heather and I were listening with the kids. They were there. Kaylee and Caleb were there. It said it fell apart. It dissipated exactly what we said. And you go, well, Dusty, am I, you know, what if I speak to the storm and it doesn't do anything? What if it does? How about, how about if we just had faith and just said, I'm going to speak because the word says to speak into my situation. I'm going to speak into the situation. You know, what if it does work? What, can, I, can I just get, say, say, what if it does? Hey, you know what? I would, I, I, I want, yes it is. Give me a yes it, is. yes it is. You know, I would much rather have a, well, what if it does if you're, if you're struggling in that area and you start speaking to your storms. Because God will meet you where you're at. Amen? Amen. Where was I at? I was going somewhere. Anyway. But this past week, you know, the Lord kept saying, well, we're going to continue on with the series. This is the part two. And we had talked last week about, or week before last, actually. And by the way, I know Heather mentioned this, but the people are on here. We had Testimony Sunday last week. It was amazing. It was amazing. And, you know, we're going to do one next month. Now, if no one wants to testify, we won't do it, right? But I will tell you this, that God has done stuff in your life and you need to speak about it. If you don't want to speak up here in front of the lights, in front of people and stuff like that, but you need to go around and tell people about the things God has done in your life. Amen? So we're going to have another Testimony Sunday and it's going to be awesome. But one of the things I wanted to do is, you know, I believe that, you know, we, we actually overcome, just like what we were talking about, um, what I said last week, that we overcome by the word of the, the Lamb, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And the word of our testimony it gives us the ability for us to testify of the good things God has done. It's not just a moany. We don't just sit around and we go, oh my God, it's bad. That's not a good prayer, by the way. God knows everything about what you're going through. You don't need to pray, you know, God, I'm going to tell you about all my problems. He knows your problems. Don't talk about your problems. Talk to him about what the future holds. 
You know, that's one of the things about prayer that people don't understand is that prayer is not about you telling God about how bad the situation is. Because you never get to the good stuff. You know, I always love, Philippians chapter 4 is like, I think people need to like read it and read it a lot. If you don't read Philippians chapter 4 at least once a month, then I think you're missing out. Because Philippians chapter 4 is compacted in there with all this stuff about the goodness of, of peace, about prosperity, and about what you can do. You know, one of my favorite scriptures is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. You know, in Philippians chapter you know, 4, we also get, uh, I think verse 6 and 7 says that it's the peace of God that passeth all understanding that's in our heart, our belief system, and our mind is what we think. And see, these are the things that we need to do. And by the way, I haven't even got to my message. I don't even know how to get there right this second. The Lord just keeps, every time I want to start stepping back over here, somebody needs to hear this. Philippians 4.19, He supplies all of my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This is a compacted version of what Paul lived. And see, I believe that because of where Philippians 4 was written during a time where he was actually in prison and the Philippian church was sending him stuff. This was a love letter, by the way. Philippians as a a letter was a love letter from Paul to Philippi because that church and the people there loved him and had been providing him things while he was in prison. Now, All of these things that he had and all of these things that he did when he was out ministering, he had people that stoned him and, and, you know, shipwrecked him and did all kinds of stuff. But see, the Philippians, they gave to him. And I believe Paul was pouring his heart into them and trying to give them the the goodness, if you will, about all the things that, that he had done. I love in Philippians 3 when he says that I have not attained, means I have not fully grasped this, but what I do is that I leave all those things that are behind me and I reach towards the future. I reach towards the things that are coming. And what I want you to understand is that there are times and and seasons, if you will, where we have problems. Everybody has things that come at us. Paul did. Man, nobody needs to say, I want faith like Paul. Because if you had to go through what Paul did, most people would have died like four or five times. But one of the things I want you to understand is, is that Paul carried on. And we talked a little bit about that uh, two weeks ago. But one of the things that we see is that Paul let go of those things that hindered him. You know, if this was my past and this is my future, then I need to let go of the things that are behind me because if I'm holding on to this stool and I want to go over here and grab something, well, I can only grab so many things. What's happening is, I think, in a lot of times in our society and around Christians, I see it in the world especially, is that we grab all that baggage and we pull it with us. And God's saying, I'm going to give you something better in the future. And see, Paul had to continue on because he, he knew without a shadow of a doubt all the things that had hindered him, the the stonings and all the other things, he could have been bitter, he could have been upset. But Paul said, I'm going to leave those things behind me and I'm going to press towards the calling of God. See, Paul didn't continue on because he wanted to impress God. Paul actually wanted to go to heaven. I think Paul wanted to die a couple of those times. I mean, how many times, you know, how many times can you die before you go, hey, I, they keep bringing me back? One of them, he was out there and he was talking to these people, the, the Jewish folks. This was, you know, God told him to go out to the Gentiles. And he was out there and he was talking uh, to, to his own people. And he, he got stoned to death. They took him outside the city. They stoned him. 
Well, then all the believers got around him and prayed for him and raised him from the dead. I wonder how mad he was at them. I mean, you know, you just got brought back to life when you went to heaven. But see, every single time Paul had an issue or Paul was going in a direction, he forgot those things. He didn't, he wasn't bitter at God or bitter at all these, the people. He kept going back and kept loving them. So Paul continued on. And I sometimes wonder about myself, and, and I know the Lord's got a couple things here, and then I'm going to move on to what I'm going to teach today. But <clears throat> there are some people that are still holding on to hurts from people that didn't know they hurt you. There's people sitting in here listening online <clears throat> that, are, that are still holding on to that baggage. And they're not wanting to move forward with the call of God that's upon their life. I'm telling you by the Holy Spirit this morning, you need to let go of those things. God will show you how. All you have to do is ask. Amen? Amen. That was for maybe more than one person. <clears throat> but I want you to understand something. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Don't let it be hindered by the stuff you're dragging around. Amen? We're going to continue on, continuing on, and we're going to talk a little bit about continuing when life is tough. And so I'm going to, I'm going to draw some corollaries here. <clears throat> Samuel and, and Saul and David. These were three figures that we had in history that basically shaped the way that we got the, the Old Testament. These people, were the, these people were the first people, if you will, to have a, you know, this, this sort of um, God and man type of thing that had to do with kingship. It had to do with prophets and how prophets interacted. And God actually tried to do some stuff, actually, to alleviate some of the prophet pieces of it and just deal with kings because the people wanted kings. In fact, Saul, you know, Saul was created as king because the people actually went and prayed in mass and said, we want a king like everybody else. And so God went, and told Saul, he said, hey, the people want it. I'm going to give it to them. And they're going to get every bit of it. God wasn't happy about that. God wanted to deal with people one-on-one. -on -one. Same thing happened, and I could go teach on this, and I have in, in the past. But when God was on the mountain, Mount Sinai, he wanted the people to come up. He was wanting to teach them. And they said, oh, no, Moses, we'll send you up there. We'll do everything that you told, that, that God tells you to do. We'll do it. You know, all of these things is, there was a problem in people's hearts. In fact, I'm going to tell you straight up, God had an issue. And the issue was, is that when people got separated, they did not know how to get back to God. And they didn't want to go spend the time. So God would have to raise up prophets and people to do things. So God decided during this time that he was going to that he was going to raise up Saul. And so we get to 1 Samuel chapter 9 which is when Saul was actually he was uh, coronated and he was brought in and Saul was the tallest person. He was the most handsome. In fact, when they said they saw Saul, people said that is going to be the king. That's the guy. And so God went and picked the biggest, the baddest, the most beautiful. You know, he was, he was what a king should be. In fact, he was such, he was such a king and, and that manly's man or whatever is that he was also quarrelsome. He went and did things he wasn't supposed to do. He went and picked fights with people that he wasn't supposed to pick fights with. 
And one of the problems Saul had, and we see it in chapter 9, is that after he was coronated, after God had anointed him and told him he was going to be king, now the coronation came a little bit later, but after he told him that, he went and said, let's go find a seeker talking to Saul. He said, let's go find a seeker. And a seeker back during those days were people like your psychics. And see, Saul had a problem. Saul had gotten too much into the world. And Samuel had to keep going back and making Saul fit into the box, fit into the God box. And so we get here where, where Samuel was gone and he was doing some other things for the Lord. And Saul had come to Gilgal. And when he had come to Gilgal, uh, the Philistines were just on the other side of the river. And he was about to have a... And he wanted to go to war with them. He wanted to go and destroy them because he was afraid they were going to attack first. But Saul was gone. And, I mean, Samuel was gone. And God had told Saul and Samuel both that at this point, until I tell you different, Samuel has to be the one that gives the sacrifice. And so Saul didn't like his circumstance and decided to go ahead and move in that direction. And so he sacrificed himself. And so when Samuel came, this is what Samuel said to him in 1 Samuel 13, 13. And it says, it says, Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandments of the Lord, your God, which he commanded you for now the Lord would have established your king over Israel forever. So now, if he had just done what he was supposed to have done, you would be talking about Saul rather than David. You know, back a couple weeks ago, I sang that song, My soul, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. Well, in that song, it talks about in David's throne is where Jesus is going to be reigning from when the new heaven and new earth is put together david is known forever even in the future <clears throat> so it would have been saul's throne that would have been harder to sing but but david david's throne was put together forever because saul could not keep it together and it says right here in verse 14, it says, But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man uh, after his own heart, and the Lord commanded him to be a commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded. I, I love the ways Paul sums up in Acts chapter 13 because he gives a synopsis. Paul is talking to the Pharisees, he's talking to some, some Gentiles, and he synopsizes Israel and what happened. And one of the things that Paul sums up here in, in Acts uh, 13, 22, and it says, And when he had removed him, Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom he gave the testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all of my will. Do you know that God is looking for people who will bend their will? He's, he's not looking for people who are the, who are the strongest or the, the best at something. I mean, I, I look at myself and I think to myself, there's people who are way better at public speaking. There's people who are way better at a lot of different things. Why did you call me, Lord? And by the way, I tried to get out of it several times. This was, ask Heather, this was not what I wanted to do. But the Lord keeps telling me that I'm supposed to do something. So I say yes. You know, God's looking for yes people. He's not looking for no people. Because yes people... He can deal with. No people, he has a problem. Because they'll never do the right thing if they won't say yes to him. So, so basically, Paul sums this up beautifully. I love it. Because 
Saul lost his privilege. Saul lost everything. Now, did that mean that he was not king anymore? The thing is, is that he was still king. He still was reigning. He'd been reigning for two years at this point. He was going to reign for another five or six years. And that was in order to give David the ability to grow up. Because David was probably younger than Caleb is right now. Caleb's 17 years old. So a 15, 16 year old boy running around. How would you like to be king at 15, 16 years old? No. And it would have been good. So God let this go on. You know, people say to me all the time, well, why does God let things happen? Well, number one, we're not God. We're not able to see things and see what's happening. But I also think that he's also letting things happen because he's needing to grow some people up. We need to understand that God is trying to grow some people up and they don't have to be 17 years old. There may be some people that are 50 and 60 and 70 and 40 that need to grow up. They, they need to know something. God's calling them to something and they need to be there at a certain place and at the certain time when they are certain that they can actually do it. So Samuel moved on. You know, one of the things I really love about, about Samuel is Samuel was not going to give up on anybody. Samuel loved Saul. In fact, it says it right here in 1 Samuel 16. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn of oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the, the, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. You know, one of the things I want you to understand is, is that Saul was like a son to Samuel. And when God rejected him, because Samuel asked him several times, Lord, give him another chance. Lord, give him another chance. Lord, give him another chance. But see, Saul was looking for something external to God. He was wanting something beyond the connection with Samuel. And one of the things that Samuel was trying to do is, just like any good father, he was trying to raise Saul back up. See, Saul was not ready to be king. And I don't know if he had ever been ready to be king. And Saul was probably in his 30s by this point. One of the things that I think God did was that God showed Samuel, hey, this guy's never going to do what I need him to do. And I'm raising him up to do things because you're going to die eventually. In fact, we find out that during this time, Samuel within the next three years is going to pass away. And what's going to happen is, is, that, is that the king was supposed to take over the prophetic duties of Israel. If you go and read from about uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16 to about 1 uh, Samuel chapter 21, you end up seeing that, that there is a passing of the torch to David, not to just be king, but also to be priest, to be the prophet. And see, God was trying to raise up Saul to do the exact same thing. He wanted Saul because Samuel was going to die. Samuel was old at this point. He was going to die. He wanted Saul to actually be the king and the priest over Israel. And he couldn't do it. In verse, six, uh, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Do not look at his appearance, talking about David, and his physical stature, because I have refused him. Talking about the, the first son. Because the first son was tall like, like Saul. I mean... He was, a, he was a big guy. Oh, this guy looks like king. And he says, For the Lord does not see as man sees, and man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And in verse 12, and it says, So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, talking about David. So he was red. You know, I don't think, you know, I think both, um, I, I, you know, I think in Israel, people go, okay, well, he's Middle Eastern. But, you know, this guy was red. 
he was ruddy. He was, he was um, you know, ruddy-faced. It meant that he probably had pimples and he had all kinds of, you know, blemishes. You know, it does say right here, it says, um, it says he's ruddy with bright eyes and he's good looking. But this word good looking basically means that he, you know, he was young. That, that he was, that he was like a baby. And no one looked at, I mean, his father, his mother, all the brothers, they were like, well, there's only David left over here. Why would you want to make him king? And by the way, I thought it was kind of interesting. I didn't put all this in there, but, you know, the, the horn of oil, you know, Samuel Walt would walk up and he would walk up to one, the one son and he would pour it and it would just stay. Okay, well, it's not going to come out. And he would go to the next one and the next one and the next one. You know, God himself was not going to put the Holy Spirit, the oil, upon somebody else that was not going to give their full heart, that was not going to bend their will. And I thought that was interesting because the oil that they anointed kings with actually was the anointing that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon and live on a king or on a prophet during this time. In fact, it says here, it says, Arise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, and in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. See, God is looking for people who are going to carry the mantle of the Holy Spirit and use what God is telling them. He wants people who are, who are willing to take on the things that God has called you to. Now, I'm going to tell you, everybody says, well, God, are you calling me to Africa? Probably not. There's, there's a lot of people going to Africa. I'm going to tell you what, I feel better about Africa than I do America. You know, right now, in the midst of Africa, they're the ones holding the, the, the Methodist church together. They're the ones holding all the Protestant churches pretty much together. Because they have a better understanding of who God is. I'm telling you, yes, there are some bad places in Africa. It's a huge continent. But I'm going to tell you what's happening there are people who've been preached to that accepted the word of God that they are walking around in Africa today and they have a better attitude in their circumstance than we do. They have the ability to just believe God and go with his will. Unlike some people that are here, I feel better about Africa than I do here. In fact, I'm going to tell you what, if you're called, more than likely you're called to hear. I know some people who are missionaries to other places and they're called over there and they're anointed. But you know that the thing is, is that they want to go over there. We've got Aldra. She want, she's going back and forth to Africa. She wants to go and live there permanently. Well, you know, that's not something that, I mean, if I just asked most of the people, how many people want to go to Africa and live there? Anybody? They're, no, you're not going. <clears throat> but see this is the thing nobody is raising their hand you know why because you're called to something that you have a desire for and see that was the thing about David is David when he was called he had a desire for God not the kingship he had a desire for the people and not the kingship See, this is one of the things that I think is so important is that when we're trying to continue and we're trying to move into the things God is calling us to do and the places that he wants us to go, it may be the corner store. It may be coming to church and playing praise and worship or going and you know, you know the biggest ministry that you could ever have? There's two kids right back here in the back. See, there's a lot of people they don't want to go hang out with the kids. But do you know that that is where Kaylee and Caleb, they learned. They were with their people when we were at Victor Christian Fellowship. 
Do you know this is the biggest ministry that you'll ever have is the kids that you have, in, that you have charge over. I know we got people that, I, you know, I listen to, to Sue and I listen to, you know, Amy and, and everybody and they talk about all the different kids that they deal with on a weekly and daily and all this kind of basis. Well, you know what's, you, you know what's crazy about that is that they're raising up the next generation. They're not just going, well, let's go send them to public school and let them teach them everything. I'm going to meddle for a second. We watched the Bob Newhart show from the 1960s or early 70s, I guess it was. And it was promoting teaching your kids sex in school. That was, that was one of the, the things that they went for like a couple of episodes. And I was sitting there going, this is where the junk started happening. You know, we, we don't need some third-party teacher that's got a weird idea about life and sex and marriage and, and they may be in the worst position that they've ever been to teach our kids about the most personal things about them. You need to be talking to your kids about sex and drugs and let them listen to rock and roll and, and things like that. <laughs> I think it's okay to listen to some rock and roll, okay? I'm not tying those together, but, you know, one of the things I really want from, from parents and from people is to, what is my ministry? What is it that God's calling me to do? What is the desire that God has for me? You know, that's one of the things that, that the Lord kept putting on my heart because I love playing music. And we loved doing youth years ago. But, you know, there was a point where, and I love still playing music. Don't get me wrong. Y'all have to endure it, but I still love it. But see, the problem is, is that this became less to me and going out and mentoring people became more to me. See, that's one of the things I think is interesting because we need to understand that sometimes our purpose means that we have to work some things out. We've got to understand the things that God wants us to have. In fact, in Romans 8, 28, and, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. And one of the things I want you to understand about this is, is that He works all things out. That doesn't mean that we had a bad situation and He's going to work it out. It, there, that's in there. That's a part of it, right? But there's another thing. He works all the good stuff out too. He didn't say, well, he works all the bad stuff out. If you got a bad thing, then God's going to work it out. That's what we use this scripture for, by the, by the way, most of the time. This scripture becomes the, oh, I went and made a mistake. I wrecked my car or I had, you know, I couldn't pay my bill or or I went and cussed somebody out, or I lost my job, or there, and everybody turns to Romans eight twenty eight. Well, God works all things together, brother. Well, yes, I, I I don't disagree with that, but that's only a part of it. That that's a that's a slither, if you will, in the pie. What I want you to understand is is that God is working the good stuff out too. The the things where it's like <clears throat> I'm called to something. But I don't really know what that's going to look at like. Romans 8.28 is a good scripture to be on because he's going to work all those things out. You don't know what to do, he's going to work it out. Hey, you don't know how to teach your kids about sex, drugs, and letting them listen to some good rock and roll? And I can tell you about some good rock and roll, by the way. But if you have all those problems, the Holy Spirit will also work those things out. You may be going, well, I'm having discipline problems with my kids. God will help you work those things out. You go, well, I've got, uh, you know, I've got a great thing going on in my marriage. But I don't know, you know, I don't know how to, to, to handle uh, conflict or there's something going on. God works all those things out. See, we need to understand that there is a place and a purpose that God has for us. 
And if we're in that purpose, then God is showing you through the purpose what you're supposed to be doing. There was a lady in, when I was going to Karis Bible College, and she came in and talked to us, and she was talking to us about our call, and she said, I can't remember her name, but she, she was called to be overseas. And she was at Karis Bible College up in, in Colorado, and there was a, a man up there, and he was a good man, very good. He was from Norway. And he was there, Karis, and he was going to go back and he was going to take a church over. And they got to talking and dating and she went to, to like some Christmas or something like that with him. And she gets over there and the family is like, oh, we love you. And, and she loved them. And she was like, well, maybe I'm supposed to marry him and be a part of this church, be a part of these people. I love it. I love it. <clears throat> but the Lord had already told her that she was going to be a missionary. So they get back to the States and they're talking and the guy proposes to her out of the blue. And she said, yes. And so she, they're talking and, and he goes, he goes, well, we're going to go back and you're going to be, you know, we'll, we'll take over the church and we'll do this. And she goes, well, I want to do missionary work as well. And he goes, oh, we were not going to be able to do missionary work. We're going to have the church full time. And she said, well, I really want to live on the road at least nine or ten months out of the year. This is what I feel called to do. And so she had to decide between something that looked really good. And it, it seemed right. But, you know, being equally yoked with people, I mean, not just partners like husband and wife, but also with people that you might partner with in business and everything else, is that when you start asking a lot of questions, and by the way, you need to ask lots of questions. You need to tell everybody what you believe. You need to lay it out there on the table. You need to press them about it. So if you're like having to go and do something with them, well, she started pressing him. And he was like, it's not gonna, that's not going to work. We're not going to do that. And so she broke off the engagement. Well, she met this man several years after that in Florida. She was at a place the Lord told her to go to that place and that was going to be where she was going to be, um, that was going to be like her home base when she went out of uh, states. Well, this guy comes up and he was a business owner. He wasn't called to the ministry, not called to anything. But he was kind of wealthy and he was a little bit older than her. And they started talking and dating and they got to talking about their likes, their dislikes and everything. And she said, you know, I really want to go out on these mission trips. And he goes, well, that sounds pretty cool. I wouldn't mind going to some of those places. And I mean, he wanted to go, you know, some of the places you could go hunting and doing stuff like that, right? I mean, so he kind of had some ulterior motive too about that. But he came back and they started talking. And after a couple of years of her going out and he would go with her, they decided to get married. And she was giving this as a testimony that when we're looking at the things that God's going to work out, that we don't need to supersede those. We don't need to be Saul where we go, well, you know what? This is what I think is the best thing. And I'm not going to go pray about it. And I'm not going to go do those things. I'm just going to go ahead and sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice what I need to do and one of the things that, I, that my sacrifice is, is that I'm going to do something that God told somebody else maybe to do, but not me. See, Samuel was the one that was supposed to do the sacrifice. And I'm going to, I'm going to finish with this. And, and I think this is important for us to understand, is that when we don't have, when we don't know what to do or there's a bad situation or a bad problem, we need to understand what David did. Because David had some really good things that he did. When things go wrong, what do you do? I thought you were called. Well, if you were called, then by God, it should have worked out. Well, you know what? Sometimes we have to know what to do next when things don't work out. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, it says... <clears throat> And now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag. On the third day, the Amalekites had invaded uh, south and Ziglag, attacking Ziglag and burning it with fire. Verse 2 says, and, 
and had taken captive the women and those that were there from small to great, meaning children all the way up to the old folks. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and it was burned and their wives and their sons and daughters had been taken captive. Now I want you to understand David and them, they were, they had, they had settled down in Ziglag. They had encamped. They had made everything set up right there. They thought that they were going to have some protections because of the city, but the Amalekites had come along and they had found these people. They found their stuff. And they said, hey, we're going to take their women and children. We're going to have them for our own. And so David and them were out fighting the Philistines. They were out doing the things that they were supposed to be doing. But because they had had this this thievery, if you will, they come back and find everything burned. They find everything. They really don't even know, is everybody alive? But one of the things that David does is he says, in verse 4, and it says, And David and the people that... Uh, were with him, lifted up voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, um, Ananom and uh, Jezreel, and also Abigail, the widow of uh, Nabal and a Kameliite, had been taken captive. Now David was in great distress, for the people spoke of stoning him. How about that? I've been anointed king. I've been anointed to to take over Israel. And everything's been taken from me. And now the people that are left, they want to kill me. You know, there are times in our lives, and we don't have anything like what David was going through. But there's times in our lives where we feel called to something. And then all of a sudden, something bad happens to us. And, And it takes away something from us. And people are upset and people have problems. And you know, one of the things about this is is that God himself doesn't say that that was the worst thing. In fact, God himself is sitting there going, you haven't finished the plan. Hmm. Well, I guess I'm going to have to read it off of here. Because that quit working. So anyway, and it says right here, and it says, And David was greatly distressed, and the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, and every man for his sons and daughters. But David encouraged himself. This word encourage means to to be made rigid or strong. You know, when you're being stoned, you need to be... You need to find in yourself through the Holy Spirit how to be strong. You know, Pastor Jim McKinn used to say that, you know, all the good stuff floats to the bottom. And I, you know, I believe that. I believe we get sediment. We, we, we sit down and we don't do very much. And then all of a sudden, all that stuff's at the bottom and we start, we, we need to stir it up. We need to get it to, to strengthen the flavor of it. You know, everybody in here's had Kool-Aid, right? Remember the old good sugar Kool-Aid? I'm talking about the good stuff back when it was. You would take the Kool-Aid that had sugar in there, and then you'd add another cup of sugar on top of it. And we all put it in cold water, so all that sugar went to the bottom. Well, you're supposed to just sit there and stir it and stir it and stir it. Well, you'd be sitting there drinking it and be like, oh, that Kool-Aid at the top. <laughs> just kind of tastes like water with a little bit of flavoring. But guess what? If you went and took a stick and you stirred that stuff up off the bottom and you got it back up towards the top, man, that stuff was the good stuff. I'm talking about it make your ears wiggle. It was so, mmm, that was so good. Well, you know, that's the problem is that we get settled And we don't do the right things sometimes. We don't keep ourselves stirred up. We don't keep ourselves strong. And then all of a sudden it's all at the bottom. And then when you start to pull off the top, you're like, "Woo! I don't know if I got it's good enough for my situation. 
And see, David was in that same situation. He had he'd cried himself out. He had had a pity party. He would had all these different things. And he could have said, just stone me, guys. I, I don't have anything left to live for anyway. You know, that's not what David did. In fact, it said, David encouraged himself. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said unto Amnath the, the priest, uh, Amalek's son, Please bring the, uh, the ephrod here to me. And Abrath brought the ephrod to David. Now I want you to understand, Samuel's dead at this point. There is no prophet. Guess who the prophet was? David. See, David had gotten himself into the place to where he could be the prophet. And because he was willing and because he was keeping himself strong and he would stir himself up when he needed to, God was able to use him in order to be able to pray for all of Israel. And so when it says here, and David inquired of the Lord, it doesn't say he prayed. This is not even the same word in the Hebrew as prayed. I want you to understand something. David wasn't going in there and going, Lord, I'm, I see it right or, or I know what to pray. David was going in there and talking to God like he was his partner. Y'all need to understand something because the prophets and the kings are we. And see, we're supposed to be talking when we have issues and when we, we're just doing things with God, we're supposed to be inquiring with our partner, the person who is equally yoked with us. And his yoke is easy. And it says right here, David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, God, answered and said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Now, I want you to understand something. God is telling us this morning through all of this teaching that we've got to move on from things that are behind us. We've got to go and take the things that have been in our past and we've got to move on. But he also is saying that because we got to move on, sometimes we get settled in our own ways and things that are happening, and we got to get that Kool Aid all stirred up on the inside of us so that it's good all the time. We got to get to the point to where to where we're able to be strong in the Lord in every situation. Is it okay to mourn? Is it okay to grieve? Absolutely. But you know that David weeped and cried and mourned and did all these things, didn't know what to do. And then all of a sudden he stood in his kingly and priestly office and he inquired of the Lord, shall I do this? Will we overtake them? And the Lord said, yes. See, this morning we need to get to a point to where in our lives, and there may be things that are happening to you right now that are good and bad, but you might not have prayed and said, Lord, shall I? Lord, do I? Lord, will I? See, as we stand as the kings and the priests, because the kingdom of God is on the inside of us, and we're supposed to take this kingdom and we're supposed to bring it out into the world. And there's lots of things that are going on, good and bad. You know, I heard somebody say the other day, you know, we had Nick Saban retire. And they were saying that, you know, this, this new DeBoer guy comes in. And they said that, you know, you have Nick Saban that is remaining. And somebody goes, well, that, that can be bad. Well, you know, one of the things I want you to know is, is that it could be good too. Having options, having things go on. There's a lot of people that they fret over the good stuff. Should I do this, Lord, or should I do that? I got too many things that I could do. Well, you know what? You need to be really happy if you've got options. If you've got options in your job, in your family, in, in life, be happy about it. But inquire, Lord, 
shall I do this? Where should I go? And see, God himself is making you that king and priest so that you're not having to go and talk to everybody about every little thing. Now, it's, it's good to get counsel. If you know somebody, sometimes you need to get the other side. But what I'm saying is, is that too often we'll go and get the other side with someone else. And we never, ever, ever go back and say, Lord, shall I? You know, every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to pray over y'all. Father, I just pray over each and every person that's the sound of my voice and that's in this room. I pray right now that you are giving them a zeal, Father, to stand up. And to be in the office of king and priest and to to be able to say, Lord, shall I? How can we? Where do we go, Lord? Shall we overtake it? And Father, I just pray over each person that, that they're not timid about going to you. That they're not timid about being equally yoked with you because you said that your yoke was light and your burden was easy. And Father, I thank you for options. I thank you for prosperity over each and every person. I thank you, Father, there's so many options. They don't know what to do, but they're good. And I pray that there's goodness that's coming into each and every one of their lives and that they're going to be able to propagate that back out into the world. And I pray over each and every person that they're able to, that they're able to take the things that come at them that may not be as good, And that, Lord, you give them the the strength to be able to overtake it. To be able to go back and to take over and to get all the things back that the world and those circumstances are trying to take from them. Father, give them the strength. Let them know that they can do it. Let them speak into their circumstance. Let them be the ones that says, Lord, I'm willing to overtake it. Shall we overtake it? You've given me strength. I'm willing to fight. I thank you that you give us strength as of eagles. I thank you, Father, that you are helping us to go from where we're at to the next place. That we're leaving all that baggage behind us and that we're reaching towards the full calling and prize of the Lord that's in our future, Father. And I pray over each person that as they go into their week, that you lead people across their path that they can just preach Jesus to, that they can also give them impartations of the Holy Spirit, that they lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, that they, they go out and that they're able to help people to find peace. And I thank you, dear Lord, that they're casting out devils that, that are in their midst. I thank you, Father, that there is, a, there is a, uh, an anointing upon their life as king and priest and that they walk fully in it. And we just thank you for it. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll be down here at the front if you need prayer for anything. If not, you guys are dismissed. I hope you all have a blessed week. Amen. You're dismissed.